Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry. With your host, Jackie Maddox. Well, hello, and here we are again today with another episode of Women in Electronics podcast program. And I'm here today with somebody I really admire, and I'm so excited and honored that he's here today. Jeff Henderson, thank you for joining. Jackie, great to see you again. And uh, I can't wait to be back with you later this year in person. That's going to be fun. I know. I'm really, really excited about that. And one of the reasons I'm interviewing you is because you're going to be there and we're going to talk a little bit about your session and why we're having you there. But I want to start out and just let you introduce yourself as far as what do you do, Jeff? What is your background and what do you do for a living? So I've lived in both the for-profit and the nonprofit world, as you know, Jackie, and I really help organizations clarify uh, two questions. What do you want to be known for? What's your unique niche? What is what, what do you want to be known for? And then what are you known for? And when the answers to those two questions match, you create vision carriers for your company and we you grow your company and organization. And uh, one of my life missions or statements is in, in a hypercritical world, often known for what it's against, let's be a group of leaders known for who and what we're for. And that's what I help do. And I, I've done that from the Atlanta Braves to Chick-fil-A to North Point Ministries. And now um, being able to serve incredible leaders like you just traveling around the country uh, talking about what do you want to be, what do you want to be known for and what are you known for and trying to make sure that those two answers match. Well, I'm going to have to sit down and do some digging on that, Jeff, because, you know, it, it is you're talking about authenticity and it's so important to be able to be who you say you are. Really important question for leaders to ask regularly. But OK, so before we get into all these questions that I want to ask you. I want to start with just asking you your why. Okay, so it's kind of a big job that you have advising a lot of these very successful organizations. But why? Why is this your passion? What led you to want to do this? Well, as you know, I'm a person of faith, so there's the faith background as well. But for me, mm-hmm. I, I want to leave things better than when I found them. A mentor, my first business mentor, sat me down my first day at work. And one of the pieces of advice he gave me is, when you leave here, we want I want all of us to be better. And I want this organization to be better. Mm -hmm. And it was a reminder, Jackie, to me that we all leave a wake in our background and and we've all done that already. And we're currently doing that. And we will do that tomorrow and in the future. And at some point we look back at that wake and we ask the question, are people better because I was here? Are organizations better? Is the community better? And that's really a part of my why. And I think one of the ways we leave a positive wake is to let people know that Jeff and Jackie were for me. And my favorite definition of the word Mm. for is to be in favor of. And I want the people that I work with, serve, I want them at the end of the day to know that I was more for them than I was for me. Um, And I think that that's the kind of leader that I've been around. And that's the kind of leader that I want. So for the the why for me is I just want to leave things better than when I found them. Mm, I love that. And we talk about so much at Women Electronics about mentorship and sponsorship and allyship and all these things. And that all ties in with that. And, and I just feel like there, if people could have that sense of, you know, elevating others above yourself. Like that, that's kind of what you're getting to. We talk about this kind of thing all the time. So that leads me to my next question. Here we are. 
women in electronics. We are an organization that is set up to align with our male colleagues, to never divide. We're always about unity. But we want to advance women in um, opportunities in the industry. We only have about 10% of women in leadership roles, um, upper leadership roles. So we want to change that because we know that it affects the bottom line in general. Um, So what are your thoughts in working with all these different organizations? What are your thoughts about women in the corporate world? Do you think it's important for them to be having these positions? What is your attitude about diversity at the table? What have you seen? What, What Can you talk to us about that? Well, as you know, my, my former industry, the church, isn't necessarily known for elevating female leaders. And I wish you could talk to the people that I worked with at our churches because I was taught early on from my dad just the value of different voices. And uh, one of the things my dad did early on, I, I live in Atlanta, as we went down to um, uh, the, the King Historic Site and visited Ebenezer Baptist Church. And my dad was a preacher. So I uh, visited where Dr. King preached, visited uh, the memorial site. Mm. And he taught me early on just the value of diversity of thought in race and gender. And he said, even as a church leader, son, that the, I don't think the church is being served when we quiet female leader, leaders. So for me, that was just um, always, I mean, he kind of you know, stuck that in my, in my heart. And, uh, and I just never recovered from that in a really good way. And when I mm-hmm. left Gwinnett Church to do what I'm doing now, I was thanked by our leaders who happened to be female to say, hey, thanks for believing in us. But for me, they were really easy to believe in because they were getting results. If they're getting results, I want to fuel the momentum that, re- that leaders are getting. And these leaders just happen to be female. And I'm like, well, goodness, yeah, you're providing a different way to think and approach things, which is great, but you're getting results. And when a leader is getting results, doesn't matter their race or gender. I'm going to do everything I can to fuel that because my stewardship responsibility as the leader of that church or that organization is to make sure it's thriving. And if I've got a leader that's helping push the ball down the field, I don't just do the organization a disservice. I do myself a disservice as the leader. So the leaders that I was around that happened to be female and they're incredible. I just wanted to fuel them and provide as many opportunities as I possibly could, because it was, it was good for them. Sure. And that excited me. And I was, you know, thrilled about that, but it was just better for the organization and they made me a better leader. Hmm. I love that Jeff, because you're just saying that they were qualified. So you were putting them in positions that they really deserved. Now, do you feel that you've had resistance along the way? So, okay. So we're talking about, you know, in our industry, electronic component industry, for example, as I mentioned, 10% women in leadership positions, you're talking about something even less leadership, practically no women leaders in the church. So you had to have gotten resistance from other men saying, why are you doing this? And would you just give the whole results conversation? How did you personally overcome those barriers? Because a lot of, I feel like a lot of men, maybe they won't want to put a woman in a position because it's maybe pressure. It's like, do you have to really fight for her to be in that position? Like, how does that look for you being a male interacting with your male counterparts in that regard? The the thing with the church world is you have theological differences, right? So you have that conversation. So that's something, at least in electronics, you don't necessarily have, okay. have to have. To have. Okay. That was part of the that's conversation true. that my, my dad said. It said, hey, here's the theology on this. And here's the theology on female leadership. And, and sure, we can disagree with that. But 
not to get into the theological part of that, but I just believed that what my dad taught me and wrote down. And so I'm like, you know what, this is what I'm going to, I'm going to believe in not to get into the theology of it, but it's, there's no male or female in Christ. So anyway, we went that, that direct. So there's the theology of that. And I would have conversations with people, interestingly, not as many as you would think, but there were people, some people that would leave the church and I would totally understand and respect that. Um, but at the end of the day, I just felt like this is, this is what I feel. This is what I believe. This is what I feel called to. Plus, as I mentioned earlier, they are, they are getting results. Part of what I would tell these folks sometimes is that what you like about this church is actually what this person's doing, just so you know that. Mm. <laughs> so, and I'm not going to pick a lesser leader. I'm just not going to do that if, if she's just crushing it and moving the ball down the field. And, and so again, there weren't as, weren't as many as you mm-hmm. might imagine, but there were, that wasn't the only arrows I took in the back as a leader. We all take arrows in our, in our, in, in our back and criticism and all that. But to me, criticism is easier to accept when you've done the due diligence in your heart to go, no, this is what I believe. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And if I were to be inconsistent with my heart about what I felt as a leader in order to appease a critic, then my soul begins to deteriorate as a leader. And I can't afford that to happen. Uh, I'd much rather be true to my convictions and what I believe and let the chips fall where they may. Mm, I love that, Jeff. It's really, really good advice. So, okay. So this leads really nicely into my next question for you. So you're talking about a lot of values, you as a leader, knowing yourself, knowing your values, but we also talk about organizations needing to lead with values as well. And so that's kind of part of what you're bringing to this business world is is taking a lot of um, leadership principles and values and bringing them to the corporate world. Love that you're doing that. But what have you seen? What are some of those guiding principles that you have seen across the board? Because you have worked with a lot of organizations. What is it that tends to work? So clarity really tends to work. And, um, and I would say also, um, you know, I'm hearing words in the business world, Jackie, that I haven't heard. I'm, I'm hearing them more than ever before. And I think this is one of the, you know, Michael Hyatt says that with any disaster, with any crisis, like we've been through the last couple of years, there's always something that can rise out of it, that it's good. So I'm seeing words like kindness and care and compassion purpose, values. I'm seeing them rise up. Emotional health. I had a company, a multi-billion dollar company come in uh, and invite me to talk about emotional health to their teams because they said, our teams, they're mm-hmm. doing great work, but they are imploding personally. Can you come in and talk about emotional health? Well, for me, um, one of the things that um, <laughs> that surprises me as a leader, as a former pastor, is I would always, when, as a pastor, when I would go in to speak at an organization, I'd always be really careful, right? I'm just, you know, call me a nonprofit leader, right? These organizations are now coming in going, Hey, because of your pastoral background, can you come in and talk about emotional health? And we really want to care for our employees. Mm. I think that's one of the things that we're seeing that could possibly be, I mean, I know that we probably wouldn't sign up for, you know, a global pandemic and all that we've been through the last couple of years, but I think people are reevaluating. I think organizations are reevaluating what they're doing. And um, so that's those, those kind of words are, um, you know, purpose and values. Now, John Maxwell's been talking about adding value to people for years, but I think, you know, organizations are starting to catch up to go, wait, 
we do need to get work done. We do need to have results. But if our people are imploding in the process, that's not a, that's not a win-win. So how can we do great work and have people be emotionally healthy, feel cared for? We be, we can be a kind organization. Um, I love what another mentor of mine says, Susanna Frost, who works at Chick-fil-A. She says, let's do hard things with kindness. I love that. Do Mm. hard things with kindness, meaning, yeah, uh, leading a company in today's world, it's hard, but we can do hard things and we can achieve great things with kindness. And Mm. I love that. So that's actually what I'm seeing as I travel around. That was really incredible. I want to comment too, that um, we are seeing that so much. And, And you're probably seeing that where a lot of people are holding a very big burden on their shoulders right now because uh, talent is really hard to come by. A lot of changes that happened during COVID. Mental well-being is so not talked about, but we're seeing it from my seat where I sit. I see a lot of women falling apart at all different levels. I mean, the high, high levels and then going all, you know, to, to all varying individual contributor to C-suite. Seeing a lot of overwhelm and breakdown. And, and really, it's, it's a lot, I think, because people have a lot on their shoulders. Maybe they're not advocate for, advocating for themselves, or maybe they don't have a good life balance. I don't know, whatever it is, Jeff, but we are in a time for what you're doing to bring that meaning and purpose. Like, who wants to go to work every day anymore without feeling like they're serving a greater good, right? Right. Are you finding that? You know, you've heard of the great resignation or resignation nation where people are just going, I think I'm just going to quit and do something else. It's just millions and millions of people. And I think part of that is people have realized life is too short. If there's not purpose waiting for me at work, I'm going to go find something to do something else to do. And Jackie, this is a huge issue for organizations going forward. We all know what a pandemic is, right? Pandemic is uh, all people, but there's a sandemic coming and sandemic means without Mm. people. And what that means is, is the, the, the U.S. Census uncovered three in 2020 and uncovered three big points. Number one, obviously, baby boomers are retiring. Number two, a declining participation in the workforce, which is I don't know how people do that, but they're just like, that's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And then number three, a declining birth rate in America. So for the first time, there are more 80 year olds than two year olds. So if you fast track that 10 years from now, there is going to still be a lot of work but there won't be as many people around to do the work. So if you have a terrible work culture, companies are just going to, I mean, people are just going to go, I can just go work over here because they need me. And this is why the, how you treat people being for the team is so important. It's one of the best ways that you show you're for the customer by being for the team. So when an organization starts talking, we're going to talk about your emotional health. We want for you to thrive here. What's it like to work here? Those kind of questions. And another question I ask leaders, Jackie, is you should ask your team, what does it feel like to work here? Mm-hmm. And this makes leaders totally uncomfortable mm-hmm. because you're talking about feelings and emotions and how does that translate to data? But I'm telling you, if you don't ask that question, everybody at work, virtual, in-person, however that works for you, there's a feeling that they have when they come to work. If you don't know that as a leader, you're putting yourself at a disservice. And yeah, it's like, you know, pulling up a rock and seeing all the squiggly things underneath. There's some going to be some things that you discover Mm -hmm. that you might not like, but guess what? They're still there, whether you know them or not. So what's it feel like to work here has been such a helpful 
question for me to ask mm. to understand how is this person doing on my watch as a leader? And if I don't know that, then I do them a disservice. I do me a disservice and I do the organization a disservice. Oh my gosh, that is pretty critical. And I've never asked that question, but I love that question. It's kind of scary. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's very like scary. I, it's scary, but I also think that we all have to give ourselves a break that growth is hard and painful, right? And and anytime as a leader, you'll probably agree with this, that once you think you've arrived, you should just go home because really it's so hard these days to be a leader and it requires a lot of growth. And I would say the one thing that I'm seeing a lot of is the top leaders feeling like they don't have to develop or feeling like they don't have to grow, or maybe I'll send this person to this thing and I'll send that person. Well, what about you? <laughs> you know, so it's, it's the top leaders have to keep developing as well. Don't you think, Jeff? Absolutely. That's one of the many things I love about John Maxwell. I mean, John just turned 75 and he is passionate about getting better. Yeah. There's a mutual friend of mine, David Farmer, who I worked with at Chick-fil-A years ago. He's he's incredible. And he says, if you're the same person 90 days from now, you're falling behind. And when a leader says, I don't have to get better, I've arrived. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I don't even know where to start with that, Jackie. But I would say this. <laughs> there's denial. And then at the heart of that, though, is ego. And yeah. uh, one of the best books I've read in recent years is Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. If you say and think, I'm going to send other people to the conference, but I don't need to go to the conference because I don't need to get better. Just give it time. You're falling behind and you'll wake up one day and look and go, wow, how did I fall? How did I get behind? The leaders that are thriving are the leaders that are growing. Talked about this before. Discomfort is the price for growth. I mean, we can romance growth and make it look all wonderful, Growth is really hard. It's just, it's uncomfortable, but that's the price. But if you choose not to grow, you pay a price of stagnation and stagnation is a higher price to pay than discomfort. And so I'd rather, I'd rather pay for the price on the front side and try to get better and expose myself to different ways of thinking than just going, I've got it. I don't think I need to go to the, the women in electronics conference. I think I'm good. Um, I'm going to let somebody else go. Oh my goodness. You're falling behind. And for me, it, I think it really helps that I've surrounded myself with people who think like, if I don't get better in the next 90 days, I'm falling behind because iron sharpens iron. And typically mm. if you have a leader who's saying, I don't need to get better, either there's no one around them or they've surrounded themselves with like-minded people who are going, I don't need to get better. Look at where I am. And again, that's why I've chosen to surround myself with people like a John Maxwell or to do podcasts like this or David Farmer or others. They're saying, Hey, I'm moving on. I'm getting better. Are you get, are you coming with me? Or are you going to stagnate? And so being around those kind of people to sharpen me and inspire me and push me and sometimes criticize me, helps me get better, but it's all uncomfortable. It's very, it's very uncomfortable, but it's worth the price. Mm. Jeff, thank you. You know, I appreciate that because you do inspire me. I love listening to you and a lot of your principles because it's so refreshing. And so what I'm going to do is circle back around real quick to a personal question uh, before we get into my next question about the conference. So we're talking about growing. We're talking about leadership. So what is it 
that has happened in your career that has pushed you forward? What is a story that is maybe a success story or a failure that you've learned from, that you've grown from, that is still here guiding you through a lot of these times now? That that mm-hmm. it was so impactful that you still think about that and remember that experience. One of the stories I'm going to open up with when I'm with you at the conference later this year is one of the, what I thought was the worst day in my marketing career actually ended up being one of my best. And I had this idea about this event that we were going to give out this, these free gifts at Chick-fil-A and people ended up throwing them on the, the field of this event. And my boss came up to me <laughs> and said, Hey, there's an idea here. It doesn't look good right now, but let's keep thinking about this idea. And we kept thinking about this idea and now it's become a Chick-fil-A tradition for the last 22 years. And so I realized that the best day of my marketing career actually ended up being one of the one of the worst days of my marketing career ended up being one of the best. Why was that? It was because there was a leader who was in favor of me and drew close to me mm-hmm. and genuinely cared for me in what I thought was one of the worst moments of my career. It's a big deal at Chick-fil-A. Well, I know where that story came from. Everybody thinks it's a really cool success story. By the way, that's what social media is. I mean, I'm all for social media, but social media is the highlight reel. You typically don't get to see the failures. If you go to the Chick-fil-A headquarters now, you see this idea. It's uh, it's in this room for for guests. They have they give them this tour of the Chick-fil-A headquarters, and you see this idea that I came up with. Well, it looks like a big success story, and it is, but they don't understand that it was a failure at first. There's a friend of mine that gave me a question. Uh, he was at Coca-Cola, and he was the innovation director. And I said, at what point do you you know you roll out a new you know, soft drink or a new beverage or whatever, at what point does it have to work? Is it the fifth try? Is it the eighth try? Where does it have to work? And he goes, well, that's the wrong question. The better question is, what are we learning? What are we learning in this process? And that reminds me of John's book, uh, Sometimes You Win, Sometimes You Learn. And so for me, I've had to understand in the middle of what I would Mm. interpret as failure. Instead, it's not failure. It's a learning opportunity. And so it's hard. I could fill this podcast. I could also fill it with what I learned as a result of that and how I got better as a leader. And I'm I'm failing now in this new season. I'm trying some things. Some things are working. Some things aren't working. But at the end of the day, I'm asking, okay, what did I learn? And what am I learning in this process that can help keep me moving forward? Mm. Well, I appreciate you saying that because it leads me to our conference theme, which is growing forward. And really, we're going to have a ton of women there. And then on our second day, we're going to have, we're inviting some male guests as well. But I really believe that women in particular have a very perfectionist attitude sometimes about trying new things, breaking out of their comfort zones, fear of failure. We are sometimes our own worst enemy. So what you just described, even what you're doing now, Jeff, I mean, you left something that was pretty cozy to Mm -hmm. step out and do something that required a lot of you being out of your comfort zone. Maybe just speak for a moment on that, because this is one of the key messages, I think, in this conference is growing forward. It's so good to grow, but we have to accept failures, right? So um, anyway, maybe just speak to that for one moment. As I do, Jackie, let let me just say this as kind of a caveat. It's easy for me to say this as a guy. And and here's why I say that the teams and and leaders I led, strong leaders that are female leaders, uh, they would, they would tell me, they would say, Jeff, you've got a little bit as a guy, as a leader, you've got a little bit more margin to mess up than I do. 
And that's them saying that, not me saying that. Okay. So, so I, so I want all the female leaders to understand what I'm about to say. Totally understand because you're like, Jeff, you've got margin to, to make some mistakes that we don't, we don't have. I totally get that. And at the same time, resilience still is um, a requirement for great leaders just to be resilient mm. and, and to push through that. I'm reminded of the book Creativity Inc. from Ed Catmull, uh, who was the CEO of Pixar. He said, I could tell if the director of a Pixar movie was going to thrive or not make it here based on how they were able to take criticism and not take it personally and decipher it mm. and go, okay, I'm going to take this and help me as a leader. And I'm going to take this and not take it personally. And that's hard. And it's harder to do that. I would imagine, again, I'm a guy, so I could be wrong. I'm, I think it's harder probably for our, our female leaders who are listening, because based on what I've been told, I have a little bit as a guy, a little bit more of a margin to, to make, make mistakes and, and mess up. That's why for me, I love stepping in the gap for those leaders and go, no, 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 it's not, it's not on her. It's on me. You know, let's, let's, let's talk about, you know, how I can help, but I don't want to lessen how hard it is. I don't want to lessen the criticism, but if you can decipher the criticism from, I'm not going to take it personally. um, And I'm going to try to learn from it. And another thing I think it's helpful for all of us, guy or gal, you don't have to listen to everyone. You do need to listen to Mm. someone who is that. I mean, there were people, let, let me, from as a communicator standpoint, I mean, I would communicate a lot. That's what I did. And that's what I still do. I'll get emails from time to time that all, all, weren't always positive. So, but I had a trusted group of people that I would go to and say, do I need to pay attention to this? And sometimes they would say no. And sometimes they would say yes. Well, that's a trusted group of people, right? So all of us, men or women, we need to develop uh, what I call as a personal board of advisors, people that are advising me. Uh, people that are advising you. And, uh, in fact, in, in my next book, What to Do Next, I talk about my personal advisory board and how to develop it and how these men, older men in my life, older leaders in my life have spoken to me and have, have allowed me to listen to them. And then they'll go, no, don't listen to that. Or yes, you need to listen to that. So I would just say this to the leaders, to your question. We need to, you know, you don't have to listen to everything. You do need to listen to someone. But at the end of the day, responding to criticism and being resilient will be a requirement for leadership. On that note, oh my goodness, I think we're out of time. I think that this was an incredible podcast and a little glimpse of what's coming for your session um, at the Women Electronics Leadership Conference in San Diego in September. So those of you listening, sign up for the conference. Come see Jeff. Jeff Henderson, so honored that you're going to be there. Really, truly honored. And thank you for continuing to inspire everybody along with me. Love hearing, you know, reading your book, loved your book for uh, those of you listening, haven't read it, please buy that book. It's a small, easy to read book. You can read it on a plane flight. Uh, loved that book and, and just what you're doing, Jeff. Thank you so much. Jackie, I'm a big fan. Can't wait to be with you. And yes, as Jackie said, please come see us at the conference. It's going to be a great, great day. All right. Thank you. You have a great day. You too. You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.